everyone, and thank you for joining Hashtag No Limits. I am Shelly Kino, your host, and today I am inviting Lorena Pierce. She is a friend of mine. I am not inviting her. She's invited. She's already here. Um, <laughs> uh, she is coming to talk about her life as a mom, a master IEP coach, and just all the things that are going on in her life. Um, she's actually in North Carolina, where it's probably warm. Is it, it warm is today. It yeah. is, it's lovely. Yeah. yeah, we have we have a decent weather here in Southern Illinois too. We actually have, I think it's supposed to be in the 50s. So all the beautiful, okay. I love snow and we had lots of snow last week, but now it's in that weird, like melted, everything's yeah. wet and muddy and gross. And yeah, so other than the sunshine, it's it's not a great day, but <laughs> having the sunshine is a just good Just don't day. look down. Right, exactly, exactly. So uh, a couple of things that I just, some sort of housekeeping things um, is that if anyone is watching, please let us know that you're here. Um, you can type in hashtag live. You can type in, um, if you're watching it on the replay, let us know that as well. So type in hashtag replay. Uh, if you are joining us and you have not given StreamYard, which is the format that I use to go live, um, permission, they will not tell me who you are. So I just saw that somebody's, uh, I'm getting a Facebook user and I, I'm guessing it's Fran, um, but just in case it's not, if they give permission um, to StreamYard and I think it's above the chat box where you have to give them that permission. And it's just, it's a way for them to just keep your, you safe. They don't want to put your name out there until you give them permission to do that. Um, if you like this page, if you like this video, if you like, uh, what we're doing here today, please hit the like button or the subscribe button if you're watching it on YouTube. The more comments you make for us, the more interactive this can be, and the more people this video will be shown to. Um, apparently, the algorithm works the, the more comments you have and the more likes and stuff, the more often it pops up in people's feeds. So, as you all know, those of I say that as those of you who have watched us before know that um, hashtag no limits is about people that society has placed limits upon, but who have bust through those limits. And Ophelia says in Hamlet that we know who we are, but not who we will become. And I believe that there is no better example of that than the caterpillar turning into the butterfly. The caterpillar literally dissolves itself into cells, reforms into the butterfly. And then the butterfly has to struggle to get out of the cocoon in order for its wings to be strong enough to fly. Now, obviously that's no easy task, but neither is breaking through the limits that society has placed upon people. And so in my years as a special education teacher and now as a master IEP coach, educational consultant, I see this all the time. And I wanted to bring those stories out and let the rest of you have the same enjoyment that I have by learning about these people who are busting through these limits all the time. So Lorena, welcome. Thank you for joining Thank you. me. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. And it's so good to see you. Uh, Lorena Hi. and I got to meet in person a couple of years ago, but I haven't seen her in person since then. So um, this is nice to get to chat with her. So tell us about you. Tell us about your family. Yes. So thank you for having me. Um, as Shelly said, I am living in North Carolina in Davidson. So for anyone who's familiar with Davidson College, that's my town, just north of Charlotte. I'm married. I have two girls. My oldest daughter, Camille, is 12 and a half, and she has Down syndrome. And my younger daughter, Nora, is almost 10. So, And we have a golden doodle. <laughs> Same family. He's always in the middle. Yeah. Um, so that's family life and professionally, just like Shelly, I am an IEP consultant, special education advocate. So I work with families here from parents of the little guys, uh, usually around age three, all the way through high school, dealing with transition issues, behavior issues, placement issues. Um, so that's what I'm up to on the professional front. And Camille is, who we are mostly going to be talking about today. And Camille is such a delight. Um, <laughs> I love to watch your stories about her. I follow you on Facebook and I love to see the things that she is up to. Um, Nora is just a sweetheart and such, such a doll. I mean, she just has her, her own personality, of course. And um, I, I just, I love the antics that the sisters get up to. Um, There's I, lots of antics. <laughs> 
So, so tell us about some of those antics. Tell us about some of the things that Camille has bust through that have been placed in front of her as limits. Yeah, sure. So, you know, in 12 years, that's a lot of ground to cover, but there is a bit of a story with Miss Camille in, um, that was surprising. So at birth, the diagnosis of Down syndrome was obviously the big surprise. And it's funny how what I thought I was expecting in raising a child with Down syndrome is not exactly how it went. So for example, I was anticipating um, challenges with speech and um, maybe, you know, learning would be hard and fitting in and making friends and meeting people and all that would be hard. And so that's what I worried about. And it turns out that for Camille, um, those are actually some of her strengths. And what has been very hard is a secondary diagnosis that she has that's called mood dysregulation disorder. So that's just fancy talk for um, her brain is a bit of a roller coaster all day long. And it is improving with time. But when she was four, five, six, seven years old, she was very dysregulated. And I work with a lot of families who have children who are the same. And what that, it can look lots of different ways. But what you tend to see is um, quick changes between mood, quick changes between I'm coping and I'm fine, and I'm not coping and I'm not fine. Hmm. And so, you know, as a family, to ride this roller coaster is, is quite a life experience. Um, it was most difficult at school because we added the extra layer of environmental overload, right? And so I also work with lots of families whose kiddos with all different diagnoses have um, sensory issues prone to fight or flight, you know, all that, all that, that was also Camille. So um, I do know now that we're not alone, but at the time it was very hard to understand. I didn't know what was going on in her brain, etc. So school for her has always been very, very difficult. Just the, the being in school, getting to school and being in school. So obviously, you know, unless you wake up, um, wanting to homeschool, that's not exactly on your radar. So right. uh, we had like, I think by the end of first grade, we were out. She just couldn't do it. And it was the behavior and her stress and all that jazz. So we homeschooled for a couple of years. We returned to school in a special education program and it was still too much. Just going into the building, too much. Um, we mucked through that for fourth grade. We mucked through fifth grade. We were doing okay this year, going a couple hours, a couple mornings a week. And then all of a sudden in January, and if you know Camille, this is like classic Camille, she's done. Mm. She's not going back. She doesn't want to wear a mask anymore. School is now boring. And I think some of that is everyone else is masked as well. And she's right. not getting the smiles and the faces. But when this kiddo says she's done, you know, done is done. Um, so quick call to the EC director and we're on a whole brand new plan. But to be honest, Shelly, I think next year we are going to be um, full homeschoolers with Camille. And this is really has, where she thrives. Yeah. So that's, that's the, I guess, the condensed enough version. <laughs> so it, school was difficult enough um, yeah. in your family for her. A year ago, school became difficult for everybody. Yes. That's How did that change impact her and your whole family? Well, you know, this is probably not what you're expecting me to say. But in a way, our family has been doing COVID life for a long time. And so what I mean by that is having a child with well, two children home unexpectedly. I think that was just stunning for a lot of people. That was not new for us. Um, struggling through every day, struggling through how to educate a child, not new for us. Um, that's not to say it wasn't hard and strange. It definitely was. But in terms of handling Camille, 
for us, it was not new. I don't think that is true for most of my friends and their children who really do kind of thrive on hands-on in-person learning in school. But for us, the adjustment in that way with Camille was not all that dramatic. And I kind of felt like everyone else had come into our sort of unusual world of, wow, things are hard. Like, um, things maybe we all took for granted before, it's hard now. So I think the biggest struggle for Camille, again, like a lot of her friends, was just simply wearing the mask and working that all out. And she really hasn't, outside of school, loved yeah. her mask. I mean, who does? <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know anybody who's like, oh, yeah, I get to wear a mask again today. <laughs> so the rest of us just put it on, but she struggles a little bit. Right. Um, I think in some ways it's been good for our family. You know, like everyone, we've had to ramp down, calm down in a way that changes day to day um, and maybe assess our priorities again. You know, my husband's been home a lot more. So for me, that's been a tremendous win because I didn't realize honestly how much I was doing on my own because he travels all the time. And yeah. so, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know that we were quite as thrown off as as a lot of folks, but then what was missing for Camille that's so important to her are just her people. My mom, her other grandmother, yeah. some of her sitters, you know, I just tried to take it down to one person and let's just get through this. So yeah, yeah we need our people. Yeah. Well, you know, you said you didn't think that the, your answer was going to be what I was maybe expecting. And I don't really have expectations. Um, I've, That's I've often fair. had people <laughs> ask me, you know, well, what do you, what do you expect for your show today? And I, and I really don't because I want it to be your story. And what I heard that you didn't exactly say, but it was pretty, you, you came pretty close to saying it in this manner is that the life of a family with special needs is so drastically different on a normal time frame that there were a lot of things about your lives that just continued like they had been as far as you know going out and doing a lot of things um, yeah that's you know, very ha true. having the kids at home doing you know not being able to leave um because there's so often when you know i mean if if my husband and I had wanted to go out someplace when our daughter was young enough to need a babysitter, we could just call a babysitter. Mm -hmm. um, oftentimes families with special needs don't just have babysitters um, because whether that's a family member or a friend or a teenager, they aren't always available for a various amount of reasons, but the majority is come say hi. Yeah, don't be shy. Hi. Hi, Nora. How are you? Good. I'll introduce this one in just a minute. Go ahead, Shelley. <laughs> um, you know that a lot of times it's fear. It's a lot of, I don't know what I would do, you know, in the situation if something came up. And so for a lot of people, COVID and the lockdowns have kept people at home that were used to just running and doing. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. It's the, you know, Summer camps have never been easy. You have to find places and people at all times that can handle your child. And um, just constant adjusting and constant struggling is a way of life for a lot of extra needs families. So yeah. um, in that sense, we had had some training. <laughs> Whether we wanted it or not is a different story, but we had. Yeah. Um, so... And know, even though, you know, for, for the majority of us who have been thrown into this situation unexpectedly, you know, our situation is going to, to be over, you know, yep. and, and at this point, you know, we're going right at a year of, of dealing with this, but, um, you know, families that, that have someone with a special need, it's, it's lifelong, That's right. you know? And so I imagine that there are some days when, you know, most of us during COVID have felt like, oh my gosh, you know, it's just another day of, oh, you know, just having to deal with everything. And so I, I would imagine as a parent in that situation for life, you know, that you, you certainly have those days. That's what I said this morning. <laughs> <laughs> this is my daughter, Nora. Hello. Hi. 
she's going to say hello. So what did you say this morning? Um, or was it last night? Tell I don't me. know. What Tell did you me. say? Tell me, please. Um, let me see. I'm trying to remember if it was yesterday or today first. It doesn't matter. It does matter. It matters to me. Um, I think it was this morning I said that um, it was just another day of COVID. Oh, yeah. Waking it is. up too. Yep. It's just another another day of the same old, same old. So, Nora, I have a question for you. Um, tell me about Camille. Uh, <laughs> what, do you, what do you think of your big sister? Um, she's, um, I don't want to say anything rude about her, but <laughs> let's try to hit it down the middle. Um, she's complicated. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, she's, uh, <laughs> fun to be around, but she, I mean, every single game I've tried to play with her, it's, she just, got too crazy yeah but you love her right most of the time <laughs> <laughs> that is a very honest younger sister answer i can certainly say the same thing about my brother who's almost five years older than me that yeah most of the time i love him but not every minute of every day and especially when we lived in the same house i mean we fought all the time <laughs> we we were not friends growing up <laughs> I understand that. Yeah. So one of the things I see that that I've seen that is hard for Nora is that when she goes to play with Camille or do homeschool with her or, you know, Nora might be giving it her best shot, sometimes Camille is all in. And this is her, literally her favorite person. She would, she kind of goes along with what. I don't want to go that far. I, mean, she, I don't know. We say you have superpowers. So, but then there are other times when Camille is just not receptive to it. So yeah. I think this is what's hard about Camille in general. Like you never know what you're going to get. And Nora is actually really good at reading her. You have to be able to read Camille, her expressions, her mannerisms, and know when you're going to be able to access her, play with her. And then other times when you're not. Yeah. I had a, a guest on a couple of weeks ago and, and they worded it, I thought just perfectly in that um, the people had learned her son. Yeah. And, I, and I think that's, that's what it is, is, you know, you all, you all have learned Camille, you know, it's like another language. Um, you know, some people learn French, you guys have learned Camille. That's interesting. <laughs> I never thought about it like that. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, I mean, like you just said it, you know, recognizing when, when she might be approachable versus when she's definitely not, um, you know, when something is going to work. And, and, and even at those times, when you think it's going to work, it still might not. That's right. You know, just like when you, you learn a different language and you think you know the right word, but you end up saying something completely silly. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. it's, I think there's a lot of romanticizing out there about being a sibling of someone with special needs. Um, I just, I see that a lot. And I think it's just family by family and case by case, mm -hmm. like with all siblings, you know, I just, I'm not sure we can stereotype and say that all of the siblings are amazing well, yeah. and all of right. the bonds are great. And, you know, I just don't think it's true. No, <laughs> no. It, I mean, because that, that takes out, I mean, you know, our titles that we share is master IEP coach and that I is individual, you know, so um, any kind of stereotype is, is, I mean, it's, it's not true for every person because it doesn't take into account the individual situation. And mm -hmm. yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree. And I, and I, I appreciate Nora, your honesty, because um, like your mom just said, I think oftentimes society goes, oh, you know, the sibling, well, they're just awesome and they must have an awesome life and everything is, is wonderful and beautiful. And, um, and so I'm, I'm happy that you said, no, it's just like any other sibling relationship. You know, we have our times when we're, we're great. And then we have a lot of times we're not so great. 
So you I know, thank you. As, as parents, we all want our siblings to be close. And it, I think that's just a natural part of parenting. But what yeah. my husband and I have come to is, you know, that is their relationship to have. Mm-hmm. And we encourage it and support it. But that is for them. You know, yeah. she, she can handle Camille on her own terms. And if they're close, that's wonderful. And, and if it's just not meant to be, or not meant to be right now, maybe when they're older, that has to be okay. You know, yeah. it just has to be okay. Yeah. So it takes a while to get to that point. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. And like I said, my, my brother and I did not get along hardly ever uh, when we lived together, but now that we have lived in separate homes for 30 years, we kind of like each other. <laughs> so. yeah, we've always said that if we lived in two different houses, they missed each other. Yeah. That would probably be fun. Yeah. That you, you, Yeah, that's a talent. She does what for you? Laundry. Oh. <laughs> she, yeah. Camille, really loves, you know, she's our little laundry girl, like yeah. our little washerwoman, and she sings and she's happy. So Nora thought maybe. <laughs> If they live together someday, that would be a good job for Camille. Well, there you go. Everybody needs a job. And, you know, some people love laundry. Some people hate laundry. So, yeah, if that would be your arrangement, that would be awesome for you guys. (laughs) So, um, Lorena, back to, so tell me some of the, um, because I know you kind of glossed over the school environment, and I know there was a lot more challenges so so like what was Camille's school day you talked about um at one point the just a couple of hours a day so like for someone who's listening who may be really struggling right now with a setting for their child at school can you kind of tell some of the things that you figured out and how it how you figured it out for Camille okay so I think parents need to know their child's threshold first. So what can your child actually tolerate? Can they really jump into a seven hour day, even with all the supports in the world? And from a nervous system standpoint, can they be okay? And there are clues to when children are not okay. And it usually looks like behavior Um, rather than a child verbalizing and saying, I'm really stressed out and I'm anxious and I just want to go home. We're not going to get that. That would be too easy, right? Exactly. So we're going to get, I'm flipping the chairs and I'm running down the hall and I'm crawling under the table because I don't know what else to do. And so I think we need to pay attention to those clues. Does that mean that every time there's behavior, a child doesn't belong at school? No, No. absolutely not. Um, And you can go through a series of behavior intervention plans and all kinds of progress on that front that they can work through and then be okay at school. But there are children besides Camille for whom this is not ever gonna be quite right. Mm -hmm. So there's a lifestyle issue here, right? So um, what do you do when school was your plan and suddenly school is not working? So I think step one with the IEP placement options is to try to get your team to agree to a modified day in a shorter day sense, right? Let's see if we can get anything because maybe for mom and dad or guardians, anything is better than nothing. Maybe we can get four hours, five hours, maybe we need to leave at lunch, right? Who knows? So we did do a modified day and she does definitely does better keeping herself together for a shorter period of time. Um, And our decision to homeschool is just, it's just other stuff with her. She has a lot of anxiety before school. So I know a lot of families struggle with that. Like before they even get to the building, they've already dealt with a whole morning at home of I don't want to and I'm not gonna. So you got, you got lots of clues, but then, you know, both parents working outside the home. I mean, it's just not easy. So Um, I recognize that I was in a position where I will say against my will, I did not want that. My child was home, but I have flexible work hours because I see private clients. So I was able to juggle it all and make it work. Um, 
and we do have a homeschool coach for her. And of course, that's not free. Um, in our minds, we think of this in a way as this is the therapeutic day school that she would attend if we had one here. Oh, that's but an interesting approach. Right? So in Charlotte, we just don't have one that's right for Camille. Mm -hmm. We have some schools for some types of learning differences and learning profiles, but not for her. So um, families definitely need to see what's around them and what's affordable. Um, and I will say there are times, unfortunately, when parents felt like they had no choice but to bring their child home. And that meant the loss of income for one parent to stay home with them because it was just that hard. And I've even asked our doctors at Duke, like, you know, what do you do? Like, what are people doing? And she said, well, either they put them in the behavior, emotionally disturbed type of classrooms in their school district, or they medicate them to the point where they're, you know, calm enough. And again, no judgment here about medication. We use it and we love it, but that it's hard. So the short answer is there's no easy option, but I will say our public school systems are not designed to handle clinical level issues. And so as an IEP coach, I work with families on is, are you at the outer limit of what the public school districts can handle? And if you are, you need to be honest about it. Because I think there is this expectation that no matter what type of child and student we give to the school district, that they're going to rise to the occasion. And when it gets, you know, spiraling out of control, especially with the behavior, um, it's just not what I've seen here in North Carolina. <laughs> I can't speak to the other 49 states. Right. Um, my impression is that some of them are doing it better. So maybe there are more options for families elsewhere, but not so much here. Yeah. And I, I really, unfortunately, I don't think there is an across the board um, way to approach anything with special education. And yes, we have the federal law and that gives us some guidelines, but I really do feel in a lot of cases, it's what the teacher and the school district are. And I, I hate to word it this way, but I, I, I don't know another way to say it are willing to do. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, as far as, yes, the law says they're supposed to provide an appropriate, a free appropriate education, um, but if they don't have the training or they don't have a way to get the training or they don't have people or districts willing to, to learn, um, you know, and, and I'm not saying that, you know, that's the case in a lot of places or that that was your situation, but um, I, I have seen that where, you know, you have the most beautiful IEP ever written, but it's not followed because the teachers just don't. I think there's definitely, definitely some of that for sure. Um, and we all know there are better and worse special education teachers and administrators and therapists. And so what can you do about all that? Right. But, um, I do think we have to try to be fair in our expectations because it's because there are other students who need their educations. And so there has to be some kind of balance. It's really hard. Yeah. And, and I, and as a former special education teacher, I certainly, you know, I never wanted to give up. And I, again, I don't know if those are really the, the right words to use, but um, on any of my students. And sometimes, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. looking back that maybe while I was trying really hard not to give up on, on student A, maybe student B didn't get as much as they could have mm -hmm. because I was focused more on student A. Um, so, I yeah. Tend to see, I tend to see the stress when the student is aggressive. Yeah. I think what I've noticed is that's kind of where the line is, um, where people are getting hurt, where other students may be getting hurt, staff and so on. Um, and that's just tough. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, it is. And, and I happen tough. to be one of those people who 
is not, um, I'm one of those people who's willing to learn ways and learn the individual child to try to work through those behaviors and find aspects that, you know, will be acceptable and, and ways to cope and that sort of thing. But um, the longer I'm out of teaching, the more that I wonder, like you said, how much is really fair to expect from some teachers? Um, you I know, think, with, you know, normally they'll let us know, like when they're at their outer limits and they've pulled in all their resources and they've done everything they know to do you'll know when they, they've hit the wall. Um, sometimes on a more hopeful note, pulling a child out of school for several months and working with a behavioral pediatrician or a psychiatrist and a team of medical professionals can help find that stability right. in that child that they need to return to school. So it, there can be like protracted breaks that are very productive rather than it doesn't have to be the end of their career at school. It may just mean we are all at the outer limit. Let's see if there's some medical professionals. And that's when I say when it reaches a clinical level where the traditional behavior management techniques in the classroom are failing because the problem is deeper. The stress is deeper. Um, it's not something they can learn. It's a chemical imbalance, if you will. Um, that's when I tend to see it kind of fall apart. And that was Camille. I mean, she was a hot mess. And in that way, she was not teachable. And so you really have to be honest too about, is this just glorified babysitting at this point? Like school is for learning. It's for other things, socialization. We all know that, but it's for learning at its core. And if they're not able to learn, we owe it to them to try to solve some of the other problems and put them in a position where they can learn. And that is a, such a beautiful example of a hashtag no limit that I maybe wouldn't have thought of um, in that manner is that sometimes in order to bust through other limits, we do have to stop something, change it up a little bit and you know recognize that you know, if they're school age, the academics isn't always, you know, the, the thing. And we don't need to force that upon someone um, and set that limit upon them. But maybe we need to deal with some, some chemical imbalance or some emotional stuff or w whatever it is, you know, the, that is going on that is blocking or preventing that academic learning from happening. So, um, so thank you for, for enlightening me with that um, and giving me a, another perspective. And that's just a reason I love doing this is because I'm learning as much as, as anyone else is learning from everyone's stories that come on and share. Um, and I, and I, that's what I just, I love to do is I love to learn and I love to have other people's um, experiences broaden my horizons because we can't all have all the experiences. <laughs> so that's true. And we don't want all those experiences necessarily. <laughs> but she, you know, she's she's a joy. Um, she has her gifts. And you know, we've talked in our world about creating strength-based IEPs. And I've really fallen in love with this concept where the school day, the goals, just all of it really play to the students' strengths because there is a bit of a deficit mindset that goes along mm -hmm. with um, right. special education. And, and that's okay, we need to address deficits, but in a way that plays to their strengths because they all have them. Right. So um, now that I feel like we are playing to her strengths, she's thriving. Right. And so, you know, eight, eight years ago, me could, had no idea what was going on. I didn't even understand my own child. That's the first step, you know, <laughs> figure, yeah. figure that out. Uh, that can take a while and then figure out how to support them and they will, they will thrive, but it just doesn't happen overnight. So. Right. And we have to figure out oftentimes too, um, what is our ultimate goal? You know, yes. is it, is it that yeah. we want our child to have academics? Okay. Why? 
Yes, ma'am. I it, agree completely. You know, is it that we want the socialization? Okay, why? Yep. You know, what are you, you what are they to going to do with that? Part. Yes. Yeah. That and, why part. And can they be socialized in other ways? She's actually very socialized. Like she doesn't know a stranger, right? We're out in our community. She's chatting up at the restaurants. Like I don't consider her under socialized. I do think there's a lack with same age peers when you're not in school, but it, but she's socialized. Like it's, you know what I mean? Right. Well, and so, I mean, you think about it. Um, I mean, I have no idea how old you are, but I, I, I don't, I don't hang out with my same age peers all the time. Right. You know, as an adult, we, just, we, yeah. we just communicate with whomever's around us. Yes. You know, and, and so, I'm, yeah, that's how you kind of piece your world together. And in that sense, school is a little bit restrictive, probably never thought about it that way, but because you're only socializing with same age peers, and we all know there's some pluses to that. And then there right, sure. Um, so yeah, I like that, what you said about asking the why, you know, that's tough because we all went to school and school's kind of how we got where we are in a sense, the stepping stones. And so letting go of all of those constructs, it's just not easy. Right. It's just not like you think, okay, we're going to school. We're a kid. We're going to school. <laughs> right. Yeah. Everybody's do. doing it. It's what we do. This yeah, is how our society is, then, is, is functioning. As we all and then do. you have her or you have COVID and all of a sudden we're not going to school. Right. So how do you pick up those pieces? Or we're going to weird school or we're on a short day or we have asynchronous. And that's what I mean about that kind of yo-yoing. Um, we, we were already there. Right. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. And, and I say that with empathy, right? So yeah, um, it was never a sense of, oh, well, you know, I'm glad everyone else has kind of fallen. <laughs> Right. Look at everybody else is miserable like me. Right. I just, I I never said it. I never said it to my husband. Like, I don't feel that way. I want all these kids to be doing what they should be doing. Right. Um, It's just always been hard for us. And so in that sense, we were ready. I mean, as ready as you can be for a pandemic. Well, sure. Right, sure. But, you know, I mean, it's something that that actually I think Catherine was the first one to sort of point that out for me um, was, you know, that there are a lot of things that are happening during this pandemic. You know, the holidays, people not getting together for holidays, you know, that oftentimes families with someone with a special need couldn't do the big family gatherings anyway because it was too overwhelming. Um, and so just, you know, having that, that, oh, okay, you know, as, as, as sad as I was to not, you know, get together with my family for the holidays, it's like, it's not that bad. You know, I also had to remember myself when we, my husband and I were overseas, we didn't see family for three years, you know, so, um, it is what it is, you know, and and we just, sometimes we have to get ourselves out of our own bubble. Yeah. I think the challenge with COVID is that it happened overnight and that's just, you know, there's some trauma in that for everyone's shock at, le- at the very right. least. So, and it was, and it was happening to everybody. And know, to everybody. Fast, right? So, going so how do you, like, I don't know how you adjust to that quickly. Right. Um, yeah. So tell me, um, because I love to see your pictures of Camille with her baby dolls. So tell me about Camille and her baby dolls. Yeah, I have a love-hate relationship with this crew of now 12 baby dolls that she managed. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh, Shelly. So, <laughs> you know, we've wrestled with this. So she's almost 13 biologically. Mm-hmm. Developmentally, she's not, right? Right. So um, at one point, I called my mom and I said, Chat, let her have these dolls. And my mom said, absolutely. You don't skip and my mom doesn't, she's not trained in special education. She's just a good mom. And she's like, you don't skip over those naturally occurring phases. Mm-hmm. So now we're into um, helping her manage, like, is this a crutch to have this baby doll 100% of the time? Can you right. function without Maisie and Kelly and I don't know, Emma and everywhere? <laughs> and, um, so we have our little tricks and techniques like, okay, well, we're leaving now. So baby dolls all need to go to nap. But um, it is interesting <laughs> to have 12 baby doll grandchildren <laughs> going 
gone all the time, but she loves them. And, and uh -oh. you know, we just didn't want it to be we lived in. So yeah. we pull her back. We pull her back. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, yeah, because you don't want it to become an obsession. Um, no, because know. that is the type of brain that she does have. Right. And so that can be good and it can be unhealthy at times. Yeah. But um, yeah, the baby dolls are in all the family pictures and we're just <laughs> rolling on. I, I mean, I don't know how long. Are we counting in years? <laughs> <laughs> so it's okay. It's yeah. her thing. It's her it name. is. It is. And yeah. she has, I get, like I said at the beginning, she's such a delight. And I, I love to hear the stories. I know that when you're going through the moments that it's not funny and it's not enjoyable. Um, but from an outsider's perspective, <laughs> your stories are great. We're only living the dream, as she says. <laughs> So yeah, she told us that. I don't know if you saw my post on Facebook a couple months ago, Brian and I were having an exchange and she told us to stop fighting because we are living the dream. <laughs> and believe me, we stopped fighting because we're like, did you just say that? Where did that come from? Um, yeah. You know, um, yeah, we are living the dream over here. Camila, would you like to say hi? That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> nope, not going to do it. I understand. Just a nope. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's okay. But, you know, I think she probably has an ability that we don't have. I think she has an ability to live in the moment more than what we do. I would agree. You know, she's not thinking about the past and she's not deeply concerned about the future beyond maybe tomorrow right. or the end of the week. Um, mm -mm. So, oh my. <laughs> so, you know, these asynchronous days, I guess we're just not getting enough attention. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is what it is. That's it's just me. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's okay. There's the little cameo there. They're not yeah. shy. My babies are not shy. That's good. They keep That's telling good. me this is going to serve us all well, Shelly. So I'm, I'm believing it. Well, see, now look at that. They have a positive approach to what's going on and they keep us, they keep us moving. Um, what have been some of Camille's most challenging behaviors that you as a family have had to deal with and that she has now hopefully overcome and learned more appropriate or more wanted ways? Yeah, I mean, we call it jokingly the behavior du jour. Like, since she was two, it seemed to come in cycles. So it's this behavior for three months, and then we work on that one and phases out, and then it's this behavior. And, it's, and so it's been the kicking. Like, we went through a long kicking, hitting, aggressive. That was the hardest, probably. Um, spitting. Then we've been through the curse words, and we, you know, there's other stuff that to protect her, you know, her dignity <laughs> just wouldn't blast all over Facebook. Yeah. I'm pretty sure she's tried it all. I really, <laughs> I really feel that about her. Um, and I say that like it was intentional and yes and no, it's hard to know right. where that line is, but right. if they could do other things instead of that, they definitely would. Um, honestly, I think the hardest part has been the way she treated her sister when they were little and just rough, rough words, rough hands. And even though we knew to a certain extent what was going on when you're the sibling, like that's no joke and it's not okay. Right. And so if anyone else had been treating Nora like that, they would have been removed from our house and removed from our lives. But what do you do when it's the sibling, right? You're their parent as well. Yeah. And I can't say I ever found great solutions. We did a lot of divide and conquer to survive, meaning one parent has one child, one parent has one child, one grandmother has one child, like just separation. Right. It is very hard to live like that. It means yeah. no travel, no restaurants, like no car rides. I mean, it's, it's tough. So um, several medication experiments later, we found the one that seems to keep the, her fight or flight lid on tightly enough that she's no longer prone to aggressive behavior. But I think the sibling, 
struggle was definitely the hardest because you can't get away from it. Right. They're both, they're both yours and you love them both. And so you could tell from her, Nora's face, there's a history. I mean, that's just not, I, I can see it. There's a stress right. there and it's yeah. real. And I have to just let it, I have to let it be real yeah. and still maintain some sense of respect in our home. And so even if you're treated this way, it's not how you treat other people. But my gosh, when you're talking to a five-year-old, it's like, what do you right. do? They just don't understand. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. So they're off to the playground. So that's good. Oh, it's beautiful. Okay. And that's where we started, right? We were talking about how it's a beautiful day here. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So right now they are friends and they're going to play together. And that's just where we are. Yeah. And that, I was only, first of all, blessed with, with one child. So I don't have that experience of a parent with watching their children be siblings and trying yep. to interact. You know, my only experience is with my own sibling. But I, I imagine that that has to be excruciating to to want your children to get along and to love each other just in in, in a normal family situation yeah um you know i mean i know that's a that's a desire of my mom's is that my brother and i get along mm -hmm. um and i just you know when like you said when you couple all of the other things with that um, or combine, I guess couple would only make it one instance, but there was, there were lots of behaviors and lots of times. Um, so can you speak to that a little bit more mm -hmm. about like you as a parent, so, what that was like? So it's confusing when that was not your own sibling experience. So the first thing you need to check in with yourself about is, is this familiar to me from my sibling experience? <laughs> or not. So I'm very close to my brother and I always have been. And the same is true for Brian and his brother. So we started out all scrambled, right? Mm -hmm. Because this wasn't hard. We've since learned that actually there are millions of sibling relationships that were not meant to be, or that right. are hard or, right. you know, strained or strange. Um, but it's not what we lived. So in that sense, we came completely unprepared. So first thing is like, just figure out what you're bringing to your expectation plate, <laughs> right? With yeah, your that's own, awesome. With your own siblings. Okay, Shelly, that took me like eight years to figure out. So, <laughs> but um, you just you just possibly helped, you know, I don't know how many people will see this, but you know, giving that like, you have to, you have to know your own baggage. I mean, I use the word baggage, it's, but, it's true. You have to know what you bring to the table, you know, and, and that's, that's, that's beautiful. I mean, that's, and then acknowledge that, that, okay, I don't have a clue, you know, and then right. accept. This is, this is not familiar to me and my heart was not oriented that way toward my own siblings. So then what do you do next? Again, several years later, in terms of expectations, we took it down to, okay, in our house, given all that's going on, there will still be respect, okay? And it's like, we've all been dealing with this all year long through the election and the turmoil and COVID. Um, what do you do when you just can't get along with people? You can still do basic civility and respect. So that's where we landed in our home and anything else is a bonus. So that's what we, and we work more with Nora because she's more malleable, right? Yeah. Um, but we also work with Camille all the time. You don't have to like each other all the time, but you will be respectful. And okay, again, with children, that didn't happen overnight either. Right, sure. Um, but our homeschool coach, the first thing she does with Camille every day when she gets here, she sits and talks to Camille about what kindness looks like and what respect looks like. And I love this so much because I hear it now, it's coming from inside Camille as she has been reflecting on what does respect and kindness, what do they actually look like? Mm -hmm. um, gosh, it's it sounds so obvious, right? But for some of us, this is a real struggle. Right. <laughs> for some yeah. adults too, and for <laughs> lots of adults who don't have special needs. 
I know. I'm sitting here thinking, can she, can she like teach all of us how that, what, you know, because there's a lot of people. I listen to Annie as well. And I'm telling myself, right. Okay. Every day we've got to get oriented again toward what he respects. So I think we can, we all benefit. Like I listen to Annie as well. Yeah. Um, But that's kind of where we are. And we also last piece is we just try not to set ourselves up for disaster. So do I think that an eight hour road trip to Disney world with my two children is going to be fun? No, ma'am. It is not. So we're not doing it. Mm-hmm. We may travel separately forever. And it, it's so hard for families to like come to terms with these things. Yeah. But I may travel with Nora. I may travel with Camille separately. Camille likes to travel with one of her babysitters. Gosh, you know, we may take fewer vacations, but when we do, we may have to bring a sitter just to be extra hands. Like, I don't know. We haven't worked out yeah. this travel thing at all. <laughs> and well, it is hard for yeah. lots of families because travel just heightens all of the crazy, you know, the right. restaurants and the noise and the, it's just all of it. It's hard. Um, yeah. But you don't have to travel to have a good life. That's another thing we've come to. So mm-hmm. Yeah, just that last piece of setting yourself up as a family for success and what works. And I can't tell you how many times I forced the issue thinking about that postcard view of life. And, oh, my gosh, it'll be so much fun if we go as a family. Right. Ah, no. <laughs> right. It's just yeah. not fun for our family. But right. it doesn't mean we're a bad family. It doesn't mean no. we don't love each other. It's just some things are just a no. Right. And, and, and honestly, honestly, I think that applies in every family to a certain extent, you know, because we have friends who travel all the time and they did family vacations three times a year. Uh, our last family, I think, well, the whole <laughs> I time, I mean, is. yeah, my, my daughter, our daughter's 21 now. And honestly, we might've had two family vacations where when we went somewhere, we weren't going to see other family or other friends. Right. I understand. Just like classic vacation. Right. So we just don't travel, you know, and, but we have to get that out of our heads because, you know, society throws this, oh, you know, in order to be, you know, the happy thriving family, you have to do X, Y, and Z. You don't, you You know, or you find other ways to do it. Right. You, you, you have to step away from the media. And, you know, like we talked about before with, you know, the knowing what you bring to the table, um, know what your abilities and what's comfortable and what's going to work and, and accept that and find the joy in what works instead of focusing on, oh, well, if this doesn't work or that's not the same for my family. And I think, you know, from everything that we've talked about today, I think that's what your family has done, you know, and you continue to do and will continue to do is that you find the things that are strengths for your family. And I don't know who this is um, because I'm getting Facebook user today for some reason instead of names, but happiness comes in many forms and means. And that is so, so true. Um, And we have to be willing to accept it when it doesn't look like what we expected it to look, you know, I mean, you said it at the, at earlier when uh, Camille was born, you know, and, and you were given the diagnosis that she has down syndrome and, and you had an idea of what raising her would be like, but the things that you thought were not her weaknesses, those were actual her strengths. And there were other things that, you know, you had to learn to, to take care of and, um, figure out. I don't want to say deal with because that is the that doesn't have the same tone for me as as you know figure out. And that's what you've done, you know. Um and we still do every single day. Yeah. I never wake up feeling like it's easy. Yeah. You know? I bet not. No. I yeah. really don't. I often yeah. wonder like gosh, is this ever, am I ever going to reach like the deepest kind of acceptance? And I, I don't know. We're deeply programmed as who we are, right? Mm-hmm. Before we have children. And, but it's definitely okay enough. Yeah. 
Yeah. it has to be. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Lorena, otherwise you could just be walking around, head down, you know, yeah. shoulders clenched yeah. and like, oh, woe is me. You know, my life is yeah. so hard. But think of all the joyful things that you would miss. That's right. If that's how you lived your life. You yeah. Know? And that's um, what I try to share with Nora. You come from a long line of strong, resilient people. And there's more inside you than you know. Yeah. And she's, she's thinking about it. But I could tell today she wanted to get on here and just <laughs> tell that story. Yeah. <laughs> she just needs to get it out. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's, and I apologize because I, I didn't, I, I didn't know she was, you know, necessarily going to pop on, you know, we talked about that she might, but to throw that question at her, I, I'm sorry that I, um, you know, literally just threw yeah. that at both of you. To adult, adult life. I mean, this is what it is. Yeah. So, but I, I'm, I no am worries. very curious to, to talk to the siblings, um, of different people who have, have had their special needs because, um, their perspective is one that I've not heard much of. You know, I've, yeah. I've heard lots from the parents' perspective, yeah. being a teacher, you know, being a, a coach. Really good point, Shelley. And if Nora's able someday and willing, I'd love, well, she'll be able, but willing. Um, I'd love for her to try to find her own words for what it's like versus what we think it might be like. Right. What she doesn't know that I know is that Camille is her biggest fan. So yeah. I have I have hope in a way that the relationship that I see now is not necessarily going to be the one I see in ten years, mm -hmm. and it's not it's not all bad now. But it's I think right. there's a lot of growth that's going to happen in Nora. I mean, she's nine, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> and then that will change the way she views her sister to some degree and understands her. Absolutely. So I hope. <laughs> <laughs> I pray. I believe. <laughs> And if not, like I said, we did, Brian and I did the best we could. Right. And, and you'll have other friends, you both will, and you're, you're still going to have a good life. So right. that's kind of where I've landed. And I mean, I don't, like I said, you know, you and I have only met once in person. So, and you're in North Carolina and I'm in Illinois. So obviously, yes, you know, we don't have a lot of interactions with our families, but the few times that I have interacted with Nora, I get that she is a deep thinker yeah. and that that yes, yeah, she will definitely, she's, she's taking all these things in and she's processing them. And yeah, I, I, I really, I, I see a bright, brighter, bright future, you know, for their relationship. Um, and, and certainly, you know, it's hard for, I mean, her, her brain is developing still. There's so much that she just can't understand. I mean, even if she wanted to, she yeah, right. doesn't have the capacity this, to. This yet. is not, you know, this is not the work of children to understand right. deep neurological tangles and um, it's just not. <laughs> right, right. Go play exactly. on the playground. Have a great day. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just play, be a kid as much as possible. Yes. So well, on that note, yeah. Um, I can hear that it's probably going to all go a little wild on me on this end, <laughs> we <want to> end <laughs> before your audience joins that. That's, that's well, I was just getting ready to say we're, we're coming up on, I don't like to do these longer than an hour and okay. we're, we're coming up. Watching. We're, we're at right. 58 minutes, 58 and a half minutes. So, um, Thank if you, people though. wanted to reach out to you, um, to get your services as a master IEP coach, how would they do that? So, in North Carolina, I mean, I can help anyone anywhere. I tend to, to focus on my North Carolina families. Right. You can find me on the web and on Facebook as Pierce IEP Consulting. Okay. So, and from there, you can find emails, and that's probably a good start. Yeah. So it is P-I-E-R-C-E -E Consulting. I'm just typing this in. Um, so well, maybe I am. There we go. Okay. <laughs> So it finally, it did pop up. And the other thing that I popped up um, much earlier in this conversation was my Facebook group, No Limits, Changing the World's Perspective of Special Needs Through IEPs. And in that group, we offer support. Um, I offer tips. We are just there for one another. Um, there are parents and teachers in that group. So I do want, I know some, some parents don't like to be in groups where there are teachers. And so I did want to just tell you that the teachers that have joined this group there are there because they want to help your child. Yes, I love that. 
I so I thank you so much, so, yes. so much. It was well, great to chat with great you. Afternoon. Yeah, you too. Bye-bye. Okay.